You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Ask Drone You. I'm your late night DJ for the night, and my name is Paul, and I'm here to rustle your feathers <laughs> and give you something to love. <laughs> I really don't know what to do with that, <laughs> other than to say I'm Rob, and uh, this is episode 982, and I'm glad to be hanging out with you guys today. Definitely grateful to be hanging out. Love today's question, which is all about the P4PRTK. And what about the workflow for P4PRTK mapping? Mm, How how, different is it? How different is Mm, it? I have to say, there's actually, until the new version of a couple different softwares comes out, this is actually a problem for a lot of people. In fact, the only people who have done a very good job at solving this problem for volume business, I think, is Propeller via Mm. their new cloud processing system and the arrow points. So... Anyway, what are we talking about today? We're talking about how the drone mapping workflow changes when utilizing a DJI Phantom 4 RTK. How does it differentiate itself from typical mapping? Well, we'll talk about that as well, but we'll get to today's question, which is brought to you by, as you can see here in this beautiful image, the DroneU landing pads. Uh, We are actually almost, actually we're out of stock, but we ordered more landing pads. They should be here shortly. If you want to go ahead and order yours, check out our new webpage. It's on the drone use site. In fact, let me go ahead and pull it up really fast. I'm just going to show you because now I can the drone you.com. What is drone mapping software? So that's the drone you.com forward slash what dash is dash drone dash mapping dash software. And you get this beautiful little picture that we love. And at the very bottom, you can see, hey, you want some landing pads? They're right here. <laughs> click this. So uh, the drone you, what is drone mapping software? And then you can click down here, more landing pads. And you can see that we actually replaced our mapping classes with our new comprehensive mapping class. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure to check it out. All more right. Bang. Let's hear the question. Rob, Paul, Lorenz here in Wisconsin. Love the show. Listen to a lot of your podcasts. Watch a lot of your videos. Speaking of your videos, I'm watching your latest one, Comprehensive Mapping, and I noticed that the workflow is geared towards the P4 Pro. I have a P4 RTK and base station. I'm using the local cores network up here. Is there anything different with the workflow uh, regarding the P4 RTK? Are GCPs needed? Also. What are your thoughts with the P4RTK and this DJI Terra? Have you heard any more news regarding the DJI Terra? Thanks, guys. Hope you keep up the great work. And I hope to hear a lot more, actually, about the P4RTK. Awesome. Thank you, Lorenz. Really appreciate it. I love Wisconsin. My in-laws are from Wisconsin, born and raised. Anyways... When I first heard this question, I, I thought, boy, this one could go for our two hours if we let it. But I'm sure Paul will have a nice, succinct way of explaining that, yes, there is a difference in the workflow, obviously. I think you're alluding to that, Lorenz, but the question is, what is it and how complicated is it and how much different is it? 
Very, very, very good points, Rob. Very, very good points. I would say that when it comes to the workflow for the RTK, the Phantom RTK, uh, here in reference as RTK, and a regular Phantom 4 Pro, it is actually quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still a lot of speculation in the industry about whether you still need ground control points or not. And I think a lot of people are still finding that depending on the size of your project, you typically do still need ground control points. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, if you are familiar with RTK mapping and the, the P4 RTK, then you understand that there has been a unique problem that has arisen from the Phantom 4 RTK. And that is that the image properties and the datum for image properties differs from the datum set that is used for ground control points. Typically speaking, when you have a different vertical datum from your ground control points and your photos, that is when you are going to have to utilize this new system. And actually, Pix4D has kind of put out some articles. They've got one that says when to use the geoid height above ellipsoid function. I know that's a lot of a lot of vernacular yeah. in there. No kidding. Um, the geoid height above the ellipsoid function is not needed in the majority of projects. It should be used when the user is interested in either a conversions between ellipsoidal and geoid heights, and the conversions between different geoid heights. Especially in the case that the project has GCPs, this function is not needed for the majority of projects. By default, Pix4D Mapper outputs will have the same height ellipsoid or geoid as the GCPs. So from that sentence that you now know if the vertical datum set is different between GCPs and the images themselves, that's when you have to utilize this system. So essentially, if you're using the P4RTK, you would have to utilize this system. So what do you do? Um, well, a couple different things here. I want to preface this because I've been, uh, we actually had someone come to our Lando mapping class and he's like, I'm using the P4RTK, but I don't know um, you know, how to set the geoid height above the WGS 84 ellipsoid. He's like, I don't know what height that should be. And I was like, well, you should really never change the input coordinate system. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, we're teaching here that you're not going to change the input coordinate system, but we are also teaching the GCP workflow. So he asked, you know, what should I set the ellipsoid height to? Well, the ellipsoid height comes from what we call, uh, excuse me, it's the geoid height. It comes from what we call the geoid 12B. And this is essentially a geoid map that corrects elevations in a localized area. The geoid model here is different from the geoid model in Great Britain, and it's different Mm. from the geoid model in other places. When this guy asked me, hey, what should I change the geoid height to? I said, "Uh, you shouldn't change it. And I look back at that answer now, and what I should have told him was you should only change it if you actually know the value to change it in and your project area does not go beyond a certain size. Because here's the thing, the geoid model offset, the elevation offset can change from one position to another. That could be a half mile down the road, that could be a mile down the road, it could be 10 miles down the road, 20 miles down the road, obviously depending on where you are. Now that being said, typically, what people are doing is they are entering the geoid height above the WGS84 ellipsoid 
from the value that they find in one of two places, and that's Unavco or that's NOAA. NOAA will have the geoid 12B model and will tell you the elevation offset in a particular area. Mm. Oh, this is really, uh, this is a lot of information to continue going on. Um, <laughs> it's deep stuff. I will say in PIX40's newest version of PIX40, version 4.4.9, the vertical coordinate system will be correctly detected automatically and you should not have to do some of this stuff, okay? But when it comes to PIX40, whenever you enter all your images, you throw them in there and then you get to that whole, um, you know, coordinate system definition. We typically tell everyone to change the unit from meters to feet. And now if you're using the RTK, you are essentially going to enter the geoid height above the WGS84 ellipsoid. You will find that information typically in UNAVCO or NOAA. Now, there is one particular user who is meant, I, I'm just going to read this user's comment on the Pix4D website because you can tell this guy is so far ahead of the game and like he's figuring these things out for Pix4D and like saying like, yeah, maybe you should try this. And this was literally written a month ago. See the date right there? Wow. So he says, this is Andrew Giles. So Andrew Giles, uh, if you just heard your name on the show, well done. Andrew Giles, he's talking to a Pix4D um, associate named Blaz, um, which is weird because we would say Blaze, but anyway. I have used your method with success to shift my ellipsoid heights to the nav D88 vertical datum using the geoid 12B by entering a geoid height in the geoid height above WGS84 box. Let me just show this here. The box looks like this right here when you're inputting your pictures we usually change unit from meters to feet so if you're if you're used to seeing that it's that same box we're just going to end up clicking advanced coordinate system or advanced coordinate options and then going to geoid height above wgs84 ellipsoid okay going back down to andrew giles awesome comments he said he had used that method successfully to shift my ellipsoid heights to the nav D88 vertical data using the geoid 12B by entering a geoid height and geoid height above WGS84 ellipsoid box that defines my project area. I have done it by adding geoid height to the image coordinate system upon image import and then outporting outporting exporting is what he means to say in my desired coordinate system with a zero value entered for the geoid height. This method allows me to input my GCPs in the nav D88 orthometric heights. I have also done it by leaving image coordinate system geoid height at zero and then adding the geoid height to the output coordinate system. Using this method, I have to bring in my GCPs in the WGS84 ellipsoid heights. So if you are still using GCPs, that's how you would do it. I see both ways working, but does PIX4D recommend one way over another? And PIX4D pretty much says, use whichever you want. <laughs> uh, Andrew, as you mentioned, both options will work and the results should be the same if the geoid height above ellipsoid value is used. Using external tools such as NOAA's VDatum would indeed be better for larger projects where the geoid separation cannot be represented with a single value. So what is he saying there? He's saying over when you're mapping larger areas, the elevation offset height, which is given to you in NOAA or UNAVCO, which is essentially, which is the geoid height above WGS84 ellipsoid. Okay, so just clarifying that, okay? You would get that offset hmm. elevation can be a different height 
in the same project area if the project area is large enough. So that means you cannot use this system that I just completely mentioned if you have an area that has multiple offset values. So what are people doing? There's a couple different things that you can do. Option number one is you can literally input all of your pictures and all of the data into Trimble's business center and apply your corrections there. Then you can just import the data as you would a regular workflow for mapping that we teach here at Dronio. Number two is you can import all of your photos. If like if you use arrow points, for example, in fact, I need to ask Russell White. So uh, someone asked a question recently. I can't find anywhere that you can rent arrow points. Well, he was in Canada. Oh, that person was in Canada. I think you can still rent from Russell. Hmm. But anyway, if you want to rent arrow points, go to hts-mapping.com. And essentially, you're going to go to rentals right here. So if I click rentals, you'll see they also rent out LiDAR. But DroneU is working exclusively with HTS Solutions to offer um, arrow point rentals and uh, PPK corrections. Um, if you are a DroneU member, you can find the code to get a significant discount off of that rental. And if you're not a DroneU member, it sucks to suck. Okay, back to uh, what I was talking about. Now, with, with Propeller and their arrow points, you can input all of your arrow point data and the images themselves into their cloud processing software and completely skip the entire workflow as a whole. Or you can use your P4P RTK and you can still have GCPs and mark your GCPs in a traditional format and not utilize this system. The only issue is, is that the image coordinate system datum and the um, ground control points datum is on two separate datums as a whole. <laughs> so that's where you kind of have the, uh, oh, the, the so balance. So then you just have to choose one? No, 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 no. You cannot. It's not that simple at all. Um, no, no, sorry. It's not that simple. And you know, this is also why all this like, okay, so if you think about the workflow as a whole for regular drone mapping, go out to a site, find Mocha. If you don't know what Mocha is, take our mapping class. Okay. Find your Mocha. You lay out your GCPs in the intended distribution model that we go over in the class. Then you pull your GCPs, then you fly the area. Okay, then you come, you essentially land, go into Pix4D, input all that data, process step one, import GCPs, mark GCPs in eight to 12 photos, re-optimize, process step two, point cloud cleanup, then you can run your shape file, you can run your DXF, your contours, DTM, DSM, all of that in step three. After you do your point cloud cleanup, you can also run your ortho mosaic. Okay. That may sound like a lot, but it's actually a lot easier than the RTK as of right now, that's really key. So we're, you know, right now we are recording this show on Monday, May 13th. 13th. Thank you, Rob. Monday, May 13th. And the information here could change. It should change in uh, later this year. Pix4D should make this a lot easier. But again, you know, RTK workflow is fundamentally different. So just understand that. Understand that you're typically going to have to go to NOAA or Unavco to get the geoid 12b elevation offset to then put that into the select image coordinate system <sighs> wow it's a lot of information that is a lot of information so this goes back to you know his Sheesh. second part of his question was should i still be using gcps 
whenever you're mapping with the, the Phantom 4 RTK, you should still always take control points. Typically, per ASPRS, our control should represent 20% of our overall uh, points as a whole. Typically, you would want, you know, we always put two checkpoints out, but you would really want to, you know, maybe have three checkpoints. Um, that being said, you should always pull control. That way, you can always just erase the 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 geotags from the images throw them in pix4d throw in gcps and then you know um get the map to snap into place properly with the rtk you know now you're out there you're still throwing controls down so it's not as much time as throwing down all your gcps and pulling those points but until this system is really solved or unless you're using propeller arrow or arrow Propeller, Aero, Propeller, I guess is the name of the company. Propeller, if you're using their cloud system because you're processing a lot of data, you're doing it over and over again, you're not doing a lot of structures, it's just 2D and basic 3D data. You can utilize their cloud system with a Phantom 4 RTK and then use a couple arrow points. It corrects all the data for you. It outputs all that information for you and you have a lot more exporting tools. I'm actually seeing a lot of our clients going to this model because when they're mapping 5, 10, 20 projects a day and they're not really utilizing the 3D data, it's more the 2D data, the cloud processing is working for them. Um, this is also why people are using Measure as well. I just want to give them a quick shout out. So It's just much more efficient. When I mean, I, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense when it takes as long as it does to process. You know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's really hard. While we're sitting here, I'm actually going to see if I can log into the, the mapping machine next door and I can show people exactly where this is just really fast to make this video just a little bit better. And I'm glad you can't see my password to my machine. <laughs> and actually, it's not on screen, so I don't even have to worry about all that. Isn't that great? Okay, so let's go back really quick. If you're listening to the show, what I'm doing right now is I'm just literally logging into my mapping machine over the internet, which is actually next door, and I'm pulling up Pix4D. All I did was simply double-click the Pix4D icon. You can see my last couple of data sets here. If I want to do an RTK data set, I'll do P4P RTK. Go ahead, click Next. Add images. Now, typically, these are going to be RTK images. I don't think that I have any RTK images on this particular computer. Okay, let's just add a bunch of these images. So this was from the mapping course in Las Vegas, Nevada, where we got to map the beautiful Nelson. Okay, if we click next here, notice it's reading my EXIF data. Very normal, sorry for those of you listening to the show, you could probably just go ahead and leave now. Um, <laughs> um, you can see that my horizontal accuracies are here. This is another big uh, question and point of contention because you can see horizontal accuracies on this regular P4 Pro imagery is a 5 meter horizontal accuracy and a 10 meter vertical accuracy. These accuracies should be updated automatically in PIX4D. If they're not, you need to upgrade. So select output image coordinate system. If you've come to my classes, you know you change this right here to feet. Notice it auto detects the NAD 1983 state plane, Nevada, East, FIPS, blah, blah, blah. If we're using RTK, go to advanced, and then geoid height above GRS 1980 ellipsoid model. We need to essentially go find that information but here, if you notice the instructions, they tell you to leave the output system in meters and the geoid height above WGS84 is in meters. Hmm. 
So this brings up a whole nother question. What if you're trying to do feet? <laughs> then you change the geoid height above GRS 1980 ellipsoid model. So as you can see, the workflow is a little bit different. It is a little bit different. What do you change it to? That's where you're saying you have to go to NOAA? NAVCO or NOAA and find the value. Yeah. Or you can do what a lot of other people are doing and just do standard mapping with standard GCPs. And frankly, I think that's still the way to go. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, the, the feds are still doing that and a lot of people are still doing that. I'm saying that because it makes sense to me. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Well, just because something has a newer version doesn't mean it's a better version until all of the elements of that are worked out. And that seems like it's in process. That's totally true. By the way, this is a great opportunity to mention um, the PIX40 user conference, which is October 2nd and 3rd, 2019 in Denver, Colorado. Yours truly will be speaking at that conference, talking very specifically about acquisition strategies and formulas for 3D reconstruction. Fun. That's me. Very cool. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about that. So join me at the PIX40 user conference downtown Denver, Colorado. Again, October 2nd and 3rd. You can go to conference.pix4d.com. Uh, on that awesome. bombshell, though, that is going to do it. Um, yeah, Lorenz, I hope that helped. Um, but obviously, that's just scratching the surface. Yes. And I called Ongood and asked him this exact question. He's like, this is like the question of the industry right now. He's like, um, there, you know, in, in 4.49, it's going to be, you know, a lot easier, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, when is PIX4D going to auto pull the information from UNAVCO or NOAA to say, hey, I know you're in this area. I know you're in the United States, GEOID 12B, and I know your offset is this. And the answer was? The answer was, well, I've told development about it many times. Okay. That's why I'm mentioning it on the show, because I know Pix40 listens to this show, and yeah, it is a big problem, so let's get it fixed. Let's do it. It's not really a problem. It's kind of like the industry just evolving. I keep saying problem. I'm such a, such a you know, a five or a one. There's no, you know... <laughs> In Uber, if you suck, you get one it star. Would, it would be a helpful addition, or, yeah, addition to the uh, software platform, basically. Well, and they say in those reference articles that you know they plan on doing it. So yeah. anyway, we understand. There's only so much you can get done in a given period of time relative to resources, and everybody deals with that. It's true. Even I Apple. I feel exhausted now from talking so much. <laughs> I can imagine. That was very restful for me. Well, not only that, I also do want to say, I know some people are going to be like, wait a minute, you kind of messed up geoid versus ellipsoid. Um, and in the comments of that one particular user, that was mixed up as well. Even I noticed that. Um, I would say when it came to talking specifically about the parameters to change, we were specific in, in the vernacular for those parameters. So I awesome. just want to make sure that that is clear because it's funny. We, you know, we just, we just taught a bunch of surveyors down in Texas and it typically takes three or four hours to go through the beginning of the class. Like this is a coordinate system. This is what this means. This is why you're doing this. <laughs> and for them, they're just like, yeah, we know that already. Let's just process. Right. <laughs> okay, let's go. We do that part in our sleep. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, on that bombshell, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks again for listening. Um, really appreciate your support. And if we've gotten something wrong or not quite right and you want to correct us, 
you don't have to be afraid to do that. As long as you do it nicely, we would, we're happy to give the right information all the time. That's what we're trying to do. So with that said, please leave us a comment or a question. Go to askdroneu.com. And if you are a member, then just leave us a comment or question in the DroneU community. But that is going to do it for me today and for us. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. This is Ask DroneU. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform inspire and entertain we reject indecision confusion and vanity for they work against the community we are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge we are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness we are pilots videographers photographers freelancers business owners enthusiasts experts and apprentices we are creators we are the drone you